comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, and reading from verse 1. Matthew 15, I'm reading from verse 1. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honour your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honour his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain this parable to us. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come... The mouth come from them out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Okay, well, uh, here's our text for the year, which I know uh, you're trying to learn off by heart, and uh, some of you have demonstrated that really well. I'm not going to test you this morning, you will be relieved, but I do want you to uh, to try and learn this text and and, uh, learn it off by heart. And uh, we have a new series for the new year that we've been been working through over these last few weeks, uh, which we're calling... Uh, dysfunctional disciples, and in, in that title we're recognising that that's exactly what we are, that we are dysfunctional in our discipleship, but that we want to get better, uh, we want to improve, and uh, we want to continue to learn about Jesus and uh, to live like Jesus, and uh, we want to learn from some of the mistakes uh, that the people around Jesus made, so that we don't make the same mistakes. Uh, we began... Uh, we have dissatisfied disciples and we looked at the, uh, the uh, calling of the disciples and uh, we said that the discipleship wasn't about loose change, giving God what was left over. It wasn't about overnight change. It, it, we don't change overnight, we change over a long period of time. But it was about a change of direction and we talked about Jesus' call to repentance, uh, that turning in a different direction. It is about a change of minds and a change of behaviour and it was about trying to change the world that we live in. And then we looked at despairing disciples. We were with Jesus on the, on the disciples on the boat. And we said that following Jesus doesn't mean there won't be a cost. And we talked about the cost involved in discipleship. 
We said following Jesus doesn't mean we won't get caught in a storm. And we recognize that all disciples face storms in their lives. And uh, But we did say that following Jesus means trusting in the one who has the power to calm the storms. And then uh, last week we were once again on the water uh, with Jesus and the disciple Peter. Thinking about disorientated disciples. And we said that they go beyond their comfort zone. Disorientated disciples get sometimes get that sinking feeling. Uh, but they also experience that uplifted feeling. And disoriented type disciples get that title, uh, little faith. But we said that a little faith can go um, a long way. Uh, this week we're continuing. And this week we're thinking about disgruntled disciples. Any disgruntled disciples out there? Any disgruntled disciples? You don't want to admit it. You don't want to admit it. Let me tell you the story about, uh, I think it must have been a Baptist church, because uh, it says the minister of the Baptist church decided that God was calling the church to great change and a new vision. And so at the deacons and church meeting, he presented the new vision with such energy and conviction and as much passion as he could muster. When he had finished, he sat down and the chairman of the meeting called for a vote. Fourteen deacons voted against the new vision, with only the minister voting for it. Well, Pastor, it looks like you will have to think again, said the chairman. Would you like to close the meeting in prayer? So the minister stood up, raised his hand to heaven, and prayed, Lord, will you show these people that this is not my vision, but this is your vision? At that moment, the clouds darkened. Thunder rolled and a streak of lightning burst through the window and struck the table in two at which they were sitting, throwing the minister and all the elders to the ground. After a moment's silence as they all got themselves dusted down, the chairman spoke again. Well, that's 14 votes to two then. Well... Jesus knew all about uh, disgruntled disciples. And the first thing that I want to uh, say about this passage is that it was a break from tradition. Jesus was breaking from the traditions of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And they were not happy. And if they could have voted against Jesus, they certainly would. If they didn't vote with their hands... They certainly voted with their feet and with their mouths. Jesus was breaking from tradition. Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? Now let me just say, because uh, we, we need to kind of do a little bit of uh, homework and background uh, kind of information before we kind of really jump into this. Because the problem that we have reading the Bible today in, in 2014, is as soon as we read in scripture about Pharisees, we straight away think they're the bad guys. We know that they're the people that are going to get it wrong, that are going to be against Jesus, because we're used to reading that in scripture. What I need to remind you of, that in Jesus' day, everybody saw the Pharisees and the teachers of the law as the good guys. They were the people that from the age of 12, 13, had not only been learning one verse of scripture, they had been learning whole 
chunks, whole books of scripture they had taken on. They learned the law of the Torah off by heart. They would have been able to quote chapter and verse because they studied the scriptures seriously. And they wanted to encourage other people to live by the law. The problem was that they'd studied the scriptures so much And just as we studied the scriptures, they started to say, well, I wonder what this means, and I wonder what that means. And so to help people, they had added and written uh, things down, or passed things on orally. They probably weren't written down at this stage, but they would have been written down later. And uh, these traditions, uh, which had their roots in scripture, in trying to explain what scripture meant, uh, in Leviticus, we can read all about uh, uh, the laws about uh, eating and about cleanliness. and uh, but, but they had added their own traditions to these and these had become accepted. And this was the way that they did things. But the point I want to make is that, that these weren't a bad group of people. These weren't an evil group of people. These were godly people who took scripture and the law of God more seriously than anybody else. And so we have to bear that in mind to feel the shock of what it was that Jesus was doing when he was breaking away from their traditions. We have to feel the shock. It'd be a bit like the minister turning up in a, in a Batman shirt. It would just never happen. It just wouldn't. So, breaking from the traditions. And what was the tradition that the, uh, the Pharisees were concerned about here? They didn't wash their hands before they ate. Uh, I wonder how many parents have said to their children, you know, have you washed your hands? Go back and wash your hands. I want to be able to smell the soap on your hands before you sit down and eat your meal. This wasn't about that. This wasn't about uh, physical cleanliness. This was about ritual cleanliness. Because uh, the Jews had worked out this system that there were all sorts of things that you might come into contact in the daily life that were unclean. For example, do you remember uh, when Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, the reason why the priest and the Levi went past the man is because they presumed he was dead and he weren't supposed to go anywhere near a dead body because it was unclean. There were things in life that were clean and things that life were unclean. And the hand washing was a ritual thing because the likelihood is you would have come into contact with things that were unclean. There were specific ways in which you had to wash your hands. Apparently you had to pour the water so it dripped downwards uh, onto your elbows. There was all sorts of, of, of rules around this cleanliness. And they want to know why it is that Jesus is breaking from these long-held traditions that everybody else has accepted that this is the way the things we do here. And of course, in, in any... Uh, religious organization, uh, traditions get built up. And uh, we can say, you know, of, of Lund Baptist Church about lots of things, this is the way we do it. It might not even be written down, but this is the way we do it. And, and there's a kind of general acceptance of the fact that this is the way we do it. And if anybody breaks from those traditions, then people start to feel a little bit uneasy. Some people here might even get a little bit upset or cross about it as the Pharisees were doing so here. Jesus was breaking their long-held traditions. Jesus responds not by answering their question directly, but by asking them a question. Well, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? 
And he goes on to talk about uh, honouring mothers and fathers. And again, just a little bit of an explanation about what's going on here. Uh, Apparently, uh, like all good lawyers, they'd found a a kind of loophole in the law because the law said that you had to use your money to look after your parents in the old age. But if you said that the money that you had and the the things that you had were going to be given to God, then you were uh, let off and you you didn't have to do that. And Jesus is saying, what you've done is you found a nice little loophole to stop you, to enable you to break a command of God. And you're more concerned with your traditions than you are the commands of God. And again, he says it, he says at the end, thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Friends, it would be very easy to take a passage like this and say, and so we can scrap all our traditions because that's what Jesus did. We don't need to do all the things that we do. We can do what we like. That isn't what Jesus is saying here. That isn't what Jesus is doing here. And uh, I don't want to use the scripture in that in that sense. But what Jesus is saying is what we've got to be careful of is that the traditions that we build up and that we make don't actually take us away from the law of God that the Pharisees were actually in the first place trying to uphold and teach people and get people to learn and to take on board. The very thing that they were wanting to do through their traditions was actually becoming a barrier and preventing people Entering into a relationship with God. Disgruntled disciples, a break from tradition. Jesus goes on to say, you hypocrites, which uh, isn't very kind. Uh, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teaching are but rules taught by men. Again, notice Jesus is drawing the attention to the fact that he's interested in the heart of the people. What's behind these rules and regulations? I've said it already once in this, this morning that, I, that I'm very much in favour of the church meeting. Uh, I'm one of the few Baptists that actually enjoy church meetings. I'm all for it. And people sometimes say to me, it's just a man-made rule. Um, actually, I can argue from Scripture that church meetings are a good idea. But again, church membership, you know, is it just a man-made rule? Is it something that we've just made up? And again, I'm very much uh, in favour of church membership. It's showing a, a commitment to God. It's going uh, beyond, you know, people can come to this church. And uh, the, the, the difference between uh, a, a tradition and something that's written in Scripture is that you can have traditions... Uh, but you don't hold them as, as highly as you would hold what Scripture says. So people can come to this church and not be not be members. And we're not going to say, because you're not a member, uh, you can't be part of this church. Uh, we've spent quite a, a lot of time in our church meetings last year actually working out a new constitution. doesn't sound very exciting. Uh, sheets and reams of paper and endless meetings and discussions, and we've actually got a new constitution. And one of the things that I say hallelujah about the constitution is in one of the articles, we actually have changed from being a closed membership church to an open membership church. Do I hear a hallelujah? Even a praise the Lord. Anybody that likes the idea of being closed in any way to me hasn't really fully understood scripture. 
because I think God wants us to be open. And I praise God for that. I think it's a, I think it was the right decision. We took a, it was the most contentious decision out of, out of all the, all the constitution. That was the one that caused the most discussion. And not everybody, uh, was in agreement, but we had a vote as we did with the shirt this morning. And that's the conclusion we came to it. And in good Baptist tradition, we accept it and we take it on board. But you see the difference between traditions and commandments. We're not going to use that tradition to stop people entering into the church. We're going to encourage people to come into the church, whether they're members or not. Obviously, we want to encourage people to come into membership and take full part in the whole of of the church and the whole life of the church. But we're not going to say that stops people being very much a part of this church and belonging to this church. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to these uh, Pharisees. Uh, It's the heart that's wrong. Uh, You're so concerned with ticking all the boxes and making sure that people go through these outwardly uh, things that you're actually missing the point of what it is you're trying to do. And hey, you know, how many churches have fallen into that same trap? That we actually end up doing things that instead of inviting and bringing people into the kingdom of God, we actually put up barriers that actually stop people and prevent people coming to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's not think that we are any better. Tom Wright, uh, talking about this, uh, this passage, says, The scriptures spoke of purity and set up codes as signposts to it. Jesus was offering the reality. Here you, here you arrive at the destination. When, so I should say, when you arrive at the destination, the signposts don't need, you don't need the signposts anymore. Not because they were worthless, but precisely because they were correct. The starting point to realize that Jewish scriptures aren't to be seen as a timeless code of behavior, but as a story which leads to Jesus. He goes on to say, this doesn't mean that we can casually set aside bits we don't like or understand. When things are set aside as the purity laws laws are here, it's not because they're irrelevant, but because the deeper truth to which they're pointed has now arrived. Everything the scriptures were getting at reached a peak in Jesus Christ. From now on, everything is different. Figuring out the difference and still remaining loyal to scripture is one of the key arts of being a Christian then and now. I'll just read that last bit again because I think it's really true. Figuring out the difference and still remaining loyal to to scripture is one of the key arts of being a Christian then and now. We have to figure out and work and struggle and grapple to know what are the things in Scripture that we must hold to and must not let go and what are the things that are actually things that are no longer applicable to us. And that isn't easy. And not everybody will agree, but it's something that we do have to grapple with. And that's what's called taking Scripture serious. And in a sense, we want to be like the Pharisees in the seriousness that they took to studying the law. They were serious about studying the law. They were serious about following God's ways. They were God-honoring, worshipping people, just like you and just like me. So, Jesus was breaking from tradition. And then secondly... Uh, I want to talk about seeing and not believing. Often we think if only we saw, we would believe. We think of Thomas who said, you know, to the other disciples when they'd seen Jesus after the resurrection, I'm not going to see it and I'm not going to believe it until I see it. And very often that's what people say, don't they, about God. You know, if I see God, if you can prove to me that God's real, then I will believe it. And here we have an example that seeing does not always lead to believing. That seeing does not always lead to believing. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended 
when they heard this. I've had plenty of people come to my office door and say, Richard, do you know someone's been offended because of the shirts you wear, because of the things that you say or whatever? You know, sometimes people will be offended in church by what we do, by what we say. And here, the disciples, you can, you can, can, you, can you see here, there's a clue here to how seriously the disciples took the Pharisees. The, the disciples didn't think that the Pharisees were the bad guys. They were concerned that Jesus was offending these religious people. And they were coming to Jesus with a genuine concern that Jesus, what you're saying is offending the religious leaders. In other words, is this right? Is this correct? And they asked Jesus that question. One of the things we have to ask ourselves is, is, is what are the things in church that upset us? What are the things that really get us annoyed? What are the things that get us angry? And are we getting angry and annoyed about the right things? Because the Pharisees were very upset by what Jesus was doing. They were very upset and offended. Chris Kandai, in his book, Disciples, where we've got the idea for this whole series, says the person they were longing for was standing right in front of them, but they could not see him. They were so busy looking for the needle that they missed the haystack. It was exactly because they thought they had the Bible all sewn up that they missed the Messiah. They had made up their minds and did not want to be confused by the facts. Jesus did not fit into their box. Friends, you know, this passage of scripture should frighten you. This passage of scripture should frighten you because here was a group of people that diligently studied the scriptures, spent their whole lives worshipping God, waiting and longing for the Messiah. And when the Messiah appeared and gave all sorts of wonderful signs and miracles to prove that he was the Messiah, they missed the boat. They missed Jesus completely. They could not see who Jesus was even though he was stood before them. They didn't recognize him. They thought that they had scripture nice and neatly tied up. They thought they knew what it was they believed. And when Jesus came, this can't be the Messiah. He's spending time with sinners and outcasts. He's breaking our traditions. He's touching unclean people. He's mixing with the wrong sort of people. This isn't what the Messiah looks like. And they missed the Messiah. It frightens me when I read passages like this, because as a minister of the gospel, I have to ask myself, you know, as I try to search the scriptures and serve God, am I missing the Messiah? Is Jesus appearing in places and I just don't see him because it's not what I expected, it's not how I expect Jesus to be? There's a real kind of scare factor here. And uh, we shouldn't, we should always be open. Again, it's that word, open rather than closed. You know, somebody comes with a wacky, outrageous idea and straight away we dismiss it because it doesn't fit into our nice, neat picture of what being a Christian is about. We need to be open and we need to test things against Scripture. We need to know what Scripture says. Seeing and not believing, that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were seeing Jesus do perform miracles, teaching, questioning their practices, but they didn't believe. They didn't believe that this could possibly be God. He replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, 
both will fall into a pit. They were blind to be able to see who Jesus was. They couldn't see it. And the, 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 the troubling thing about that is that because they were, they were leaders, they were actually leading people away from the Messiah. Whereas they were supposed to be leading people towards the Messiah. And we've got to be so careful that in our Christian living and discipleship, we don't lead people away from Jesus. That we lead people and point people towards Jesus. That's what we're here to do. That's our mission. We've got to be people that don't see like Thomas, you know, and yet still believe. Because we can't see Jesus physically. But we can see what Jesus is doing. We can see what Jesus was saying in Scripture. You've often heard it says, said, you are what you eat. I think Jesus says to the disciples, you are what you speak. You are what you speak. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Bit of a biology lesson that we know that, don't we? We don't need to go into too much detail, but we know what he's talking about. Um, But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. And Jesus goes on to say, you know, that list of things that come from the heart. And you know, when we speak, when people say cruel and unkind and nasty things... That's what should trouble us, because it means that there's something wrong with that person's heart. We speak out of what is inside us. And Jesus was about changing people's hearts. We need to know the difference between the disciples and the Pharisees, because you see, both struggled to understand what Jesus was going on about. The difference was the Pharisees walked away, the disciples hung around, And ask Jesus for further explanation. And that's what we need to do. We need to go back to scripture time and time again. And look what it says and study it. And try and get to the root of what Jesus was talking about. You are what you speak. You are what you speak. Disciples are believers under construction. And that's what we are. We are a work in progress. I would be quite happily wear an L plate on my back because I'm still learning. I'm still making mistakes. I'm still getting things wrong. But I'm still trying to learn and be open to the things that God wants to do with us and the way in which God wants to speak to us. So we're not kicking out all the traditions. You'll be pleased to know there are good traditions that we want to uphold, but we want to make sure that those traditions are traditions that help us in our discipleship and enable others to come into God's presence and hear the good news.